Hey friend, I am so excited you're here. I'm Marianne Anderson. You might know me from This Loud House on Instagram, and I have a secret to share with you. I'm not really an expert, but I have a ton of friends who are. And each week you can join us for inspiring, fun, and practical tips on how to decorate your home, organize your space, take care of your body, chase those dreams, rock that outfit you just got at Target. And girl, we're going to help you with what the heck to make for dinner too. This is the Life Sunny Side Up Podcast. Welcome. Well, today, guys, I am sitting down with Brooke Hemingway. Many of you know who this inspiring woman is, but let me just tell you, Brooke is a mom of six. Yep. Two to 13. She's a former RN. She and her husband, who is a ER physician, have been married for 21 years. This girl is in amazing shape at 41 years old because, of course, she is a fitness enthusiast. And she is a seven-figure earner in her network marketing company. She actually went to the top once. Then she re-entered, went to the top again, and now her husband is on the way to reaching the top of the company as well. What I love about Brooke, you guys, is her philosophy of alignment and not balance. You're going to hear the difference, but alignment. She is a believer in the possibilities, especially yours. Her passions include the five M's, marriage, motherhood, money, movement, and mindset. She works to encourage all women to keep dreaming, keep working, and keep believing. This is my conversation with Brooke Hemingway. So if you love this episode, friend, I want you to do three things, okay? First, subscribe, and then that way you never miss an episode. And I'd love to hear your comments, so make sure you leave one of those too. And you can take a screenshot and you can post it on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Make sure that you tag me at This Loud House and you can use the hashtag LifeSunnySideUpPodcast. Well, you guys, I'm going to tell you that I'm pretty giddy about this. All day today, I'm like, it's Brooke Hemingway Day. (laughs) So I just, Brooke, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And I know that so many women are Brooke fans who are going to be listening to this. But by chance, if somebody's been living under a rock and they don't know who Brooke Hemingway is, would you just share with us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm really excited to be here. And I'm super thankful that you gave me this opportunity because I love to share my story because it it really is something that I feel like gives people a lot of hope. I am a mom of six. I have children between the ages of two and 13. I live on a small island in the middle of nowhere, a small island called Kauai. I live on three acres surrounded by horses and roosters. And I am a self-proclaimed introvert. I am somebody that is not the life of the party did not have a social media presence. I had 150 Facebook friends, no Instagram. I kind of describe myself as being like a hermit, not because I don't like people because I actually very deeply love people, but I'm somebody that's sensitive and easily hurt and somebody that just over the years as I had children and I lived in this rural area, my life just got smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm also somebody that struggled a lot with anxiety and postpartum depression after I had my babies. And so if you're somebody that's ever struggled with that, you know that you 
just retreat and you don't really want to be around a lot of people and you don't want to talk to people and you don't really feel like you have anything of value to offer. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I was in my life about four years ago. I had just had my fifth baby. She was about six weeks old. And I had this friend of mine on social media posting about a product and I sort of internally rolled my eyes because I am medically trained. So I was an ICU nurse for 10 years. I have my degree in kinesiology and I worked as a well-paid fitness trainer and um, group exercise instructor for a lot of years. My husband is a board certified ER physician and we were just too smart for that kind of thing. And so for a year, I ignored her. But really the truth was I was struggling with all of those things and more. Headaches, bloating, digestive issues, um, trouble sleeping, just a general blah feeling, you know, that a lot of us just kind of, we're just kind of surviving life and going through life. And we feel like, well, that's just what life is like when you're in your thirties, headed into 40, 41 years old now. Yeah. And so I just kind of thought, well, life just kind of sucks once you start to get older and that's just the way it is. But you know, one night I feel like I finally let my guard down and I had a little moment of inspiration and it was kind of like this thought like, well, Brooke, you're doing all the things, you're exercising regularly, you eat pretty healthy, and all those things that you say are the only things that you need aren't working. So maybe you need to try something different. And so I got over my dang self, and I decided to go ahead and try the products. And the rest is history. That was pretty much exactly four years ago. Started the products, had never done any kind of social selling or network marketing. So quite honestly, I didn't have a lot of baggage behind it. Like right. the only Thing I could think about with social selling is like my in-laws had done Amway before. And, right, right. You know, and my aunt does Avon, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It wasn't anything that I took seriously because I never really knew anybody that took it seriously. And so it was kind of like that old school idea. But also I just didn't have any baggage about it because I'd never had a negative experience. I'd never been approached by anybody and then treated horribly because I didn't join them. I'd never tried a product and, and had it, you know, be horrible or have like a horrendous time getting out of it. Like right. I've never had some of those experiences that I've heard some people have had. And so I was kind of like this pure vessel that just didn't really know what I was doing, but I loved the products right away. I loved him. I could get out of bed. I wasn't pushing snooze. I had my own internal motivation to exercise. Mm. I wasn't screaming at my kids, which I'm embarrassed to say I did. But I was like that mom that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a crazy lady. I've so, so been you there. Know, I just, yeah, yeah. It just brought me back to life and brought this light back into my life, this health and renewed energy and excitement for life. And so I started sharing the products a couple of weeks in. My journey was really fast. Within 12 months, I went to the top of the company, basically did another lap, so to speak. I re-entered and I went to the top of the company again, which is something unique about our compensation plan. And my husband is also almost at the top of the company. And so we've had this incredible, crazy, wild roller coaster ride the last four years that has changed our family's life dramatically. Gosh, there's so much there that we're going to unpack. And I told Brooke, I'm like, we're going to go way back because I love before (laughs) and afters. And, you know, I love to hear how the heck 
you, I, to me, I think of words like, you know, grit and determination, but with heart. And I know that has to come from somewhere. So let's go back to, you know, young Brooke. What was it like for you growing up? What were your parents like? And how did this person come to be? Well, I love my parents deeply. My father passed away about four years ago, which also happened to sort of coincide with the worst postpartum depression I ever had after my fourth child. And not long after that, he passed away. And really, I look at my father's story as a tragedy. Mm. He was a man of so much potential. He had a PhD in business and economics. He was a university professor He was very intelligent, gifted, charismatic, handsome, all of those things. But he struggled with depression. Mm -hmm. He struggled, I believe, probably with feelings of not enoughness. He struggled to play nice with other people. And he just couldn't get along with people and make it in the world because he struggled with relationships. And so at the end of his life, he died alone. My parents Mm -hmm. divorced when I was 16. And he was not living in a good situation. And all of us children, there's six of us, we did um, our best to help take care of him. But Mm -hmm. the end of his life was really tragic. And so when I think about life, I think about living it to the fullest and not regretting. I think about potential. And I think about how every single person has beautiful God-given potential. And the thing that I hate seeing wasted the very most is potential. It literally like kills me to see somebody with so much potential and so little belief, so little belief in themselves, little belief in the opportunity, little belief in what's possible, because I just have seen somebody die in such a sad situation Mm. with so much regret on his heart and me knowing, gosh, like when he was young, he had so much potential and little choices and little decisions along the way and, and believing I'm not enough and you know, making these choices that led to a sad life. And so that's my father. My mother is a warrior. My mother is strong. My mother is faithful. She's intelligent. She, after 25 years of marriage, had to figure out what to do. Yeah, She had an English degree. Like that's what she graduated from college with. And and bless her heart. Like, it's awesome. She graduated from college. But what do you do with an English degree after 25 years of being married and not being in the workforce? And so I got to watch her as a teenager work for a publishing company, bless their hearts. She found this wonderful little publishing company in Wisconsin. And she started working for them, editing books. She actually wrote a couple of books, like educational books. Oh, cool. Like on Yellowstone and things like that. And so I saw her make it work. We never Mm -hmm. suffered. We always had the cute clothes from the limited. She always took me prom dress shopping. I didn't know all the sacrifices she had to make to make that happen for us until I was an adult. And so again, when I look at women in particular, I look at women pass up incredible opportunities Mm -hmm. because their life is charmed. Their life is good. They want to be happy with good enough. They feel like they should just be grateful for what they have. And I think, um, well, who says you can't be grateful for what you have, but want more or have a plan B because guess what? People get cancer. People die. People get divorced. People go on disability. People go through depression that's debilitating. These things happen all of the time. And I just felt like inside of me 
like there was this fire when I love these products and I saw what was possible with the opportunity and I saw what was happening in my own home. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I would be a complete fool if I didn't do this. And you know, the other thing about my past is I moved a lot growing up a lot and it was very scarring to me in a lot of ways because I was a sensitive child and when I connect with people, I really connect with them. Yeah. And when I moved in fourth grade and I left behind my very best friend in the whole wide world, my bosom buddies, any Anne of Green Gables fans yeah, here? Right. <laughs> You're yes. forever. And <laughs> yes, yes. So we were like Anne of Green Gables buddies. Like we read all the books mm-hmm. and I could run through the woods to her house and we were kindred spirits. And then all of a sudden we had to move. And I moved five or six times. I can't remember growing up. And it was, it was really difficult for me. And I can say all of these things, honestly, guys, I am not saying any of these things in judgment of my parents at all, Right. at all. I'm just sharing with you my experience because I love my parents dearly and I wouldn't change anything actually, because now looking back, when I look at my experiences growing up, it made me adaptable. Mm. It made me resilient it introduced me to networks of people that I, if I had never lived in Wisconsin, I wouldn't have several people on my team that are from Wisconsin. If I had never had those experiences, I wouldn't have had to have the grit that I have today. Having gone through that, I feel like from watching my parents and from the experience of moving a lot, it just taught me that I can survive. Like I can survive anything. Life is hard but life is all, all, also beautiful. Yeah. And I can make lemonade from lemons. Like it's, you Absolutely. know, it's possible. And don't you think that even your dad going through that and watching that, it gave you that fuel, right? To be like, this is not going to happen for me. You know, I'm going to run after the stream. And at the time you didn't need to work, right? But maybe mentally you needed to work, right? To chase that. Yes. But you decided, and I was actually, I was listening to a podcast the other day. You know, there's so many different ways to change the world, but business can definitely be a way to change the world because somebody's got to make the money to fund the organizations, you know, and orphanages and all of those things. So I I just thought that was really cool. But take us to that moment and and you tell Thomas, like, I'm going to do this whole network marketing thing. And how did that go down? What did he say? So my husband is an amazing man and he's always been super supportive of me. And, and really quick, I want to unpack something before we move into Yeah, this. yeah. When you said you didn't need to work. Mm-hmm. So there is this idea sometimes amongst people where, and I used to think this way as well. I actually used to judge my sister for working and being a teacher because her husband had a good job. Mm. So she didn't quote unquote need to work. Right. Well, there are many different reasons why as women, we need to work and we don't even have to have a reason why we need to work. If it's a desire on our heart, a passion that we have, a calling that we're meant to do something that we feel like we are just created to do. That in and of itself is enough reason to quote unquote need to work. That's so if you are struggling with this or people are passing judgment on you, you have to be very strong in knowing your purpose and why you're doing what you're doing. And if quite simply for you, work is something that you just love to do 
then that is enough. And I discovered this about myself recently because I fought with this, judging my own self for, well, should I really be doing this? I have six kids. I mean, I've literally had people say to me, well, shouldn't your six kids be your priority? Well, they are my priority. Yeah. And I, I live as an example to them of what is possible. I brought their father home. He used to work 80 to 90 hours a week, and now he works 24 hours a week. Our family dynamics are forever changed. So Mm -hmm. yes, I love my children, and my children are my priority. That can look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to unpack that for a second. I love that because, yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like mentally, and I am a better mother when I can throw my heart and soul into something. And, you know, of course you throw your heart and soul into motherhood, but there's a lot of other parts, you know, you only have these kiddos home for 18 years and then you have the rest and what are you going to do? You know? So yeah, I love that for sure. Yes. Well, and you are all things. You are mother, you are daughter, you are sister, you are friend, you are a boss. Like, We, I feel like as women have the capacity to do anything. And I feel like it is the strong, powerful, like God-loving women that are hardworking, faithful, determined. We are the people that will heal the world, that will change the world. The world needs more women like us making a crap ton of money so that we can create the change that we want to see socially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, like We actually, I feel like, have a responsibility to show up and show people, listen, I'm a mother and I love my children. I'm a wife and I love my husband and I'm a millionaire. Yeah. All those things. Amen. I love it. Yes, yes. And I know there's some statistics somewhere that when women are successful in business, the economy changes for the better because we just, you know, that's just the way it is. We rule the world. (laughs) I love it. Well, what women do is women reinvest in other women. Yes. Right. And so I, when I did my taxes this year, I found that, you know, I mean, roughly I made about a million dollars in my business. And I invested about four to five percent of that back into my business just um, to help grow my leaders. Mm-hmm. And I've never really shared that statistic, but that's in addition to other things. I do retreats and gatherings, but like literally like cash money for prizes, incentives, recognition, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I pour that back in to other women because I want to empower other women to be successful like I am. There's Mm -hmm. no scarcity to me in money. And I feel like with women, that is more often the case. We don't have as much scarcity. We have giving hearts. Mm -hmm. And so we want to give back. And that's probably one of the reasons why the economy thrives when we thrive. So you want me to talk about that cute little surfer boy husband of mine, yeah? Yeah, I want to hear you you tell him. He comes home, you know, from working 88, 90 hours a week and you're like, babe... This is going to be our new gig. Or did it even go down like that? How did it happen? So honestly, um, the way that our life went down before is that my husband literally worked 80 to 90 hours a week. We've been married 21 years. And the first 18 years of our marriage, I tell people, was a blur. Right wow. after we got married, he went to med school. He, he'd get up at 4 a.m. to study, come home at 10. Right after med school, he went to residency for four years. He worked six to seven, 12-hour shifts a week. Um, Right after that, we had our first son. We moved to Hawaii and he took on three jobs. Mm -hmm. We had a mountain of debt from all of our education because we didn't come from families where our families paid for our college or our med school or anything. So we had hundreds of thousands of dollars in med school debt. 
we owned nothing and we wanted to get into a home. And so he was working three jobs. I was raising all these kids feeling like a single mom and I had had it. And Mm. so when I fell in love with the products and decided to work the business, I honestly just started to do it quietly. He was gone a lot of the times. And so I would work when he worked. Mm -hmm. And I will always remember though, the moment that he said to me, you know, he was home one day and I was working my business and he didn't even really know what I was doing. Right, right. He's like, you know, on social media now, what is happening? <laughs> yes, yes, because I came, I became active instantly on social media. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? But I was so passionate and I was so excited and I didn't know what I was doing. I actually probably barfed what I was doing all over everybody, but it turned out okay, guys. It's okay. all right. If you're barfing all over everybody, it's okay. You'll learn. It works. So... I remember making like $2,000 or so in one of my, one of my early months. And for most people, $2,000 would be life-changing money. Mm -hmm. And I don't say this at all to be like a snooty little brat, but what you have to understand is that my husband had slaved away for years and years and years to get his degree and to get his job. And he could make $2,000 in a day. Right. Like if he worked some overtime or he worked at specific hospitals where he would make more money, you know, make 1500 to $2,000. And so he said to me, it seems like you're working awfully hard for how much money you're making. Mm. And I said, yeah, I said, it's coming, honey. It's coming though, because I'm a visionary and I can see, I'm like, I trust, I believe I can see if I do the steps and I show up each and every day that it's going to be okay. It's going to happen. And that's what I did every single day. I would get up and I would reach out to people and I would post and I would do the work and I would take the rejection and I would take the every once in a while being made fun of, like all of those things. And he just kind of silently watched. And I tried to just make sure that nothing really, you know, nothing really changed in our house. Dinner was still on the table. Laundry was still done. Kids were still getting their schooling done. I homeschooled for one year of my journey um, to the top of my company. And, you know, things were still getting done. And he started to see my paycheck go up and up. But he also saw that as I got busier and as my business got bigger and bigger, I needed him to step in. And I needed him to play a more active role in helping. And there was a bit of an adjustment there. Because if I'm honest, as women... And this is not in any way like, oh, woe is me for being a woman. But as women that are traditionally stay-at-home moms, we just have kind of negotiated this deal without us really knowing that we do the cooking, the shopping, the cleaning, the taking care of the kids. Like we do that and he goes to work and he makes the money. And my husband was always helpful. I mean, he would come home and do the dishes. He's not a chauvinist pig, but that's kind of the deal that we had struck that I was okay with. I was in that role. He was in another role and it was starting to shift to where I couldn't do it all. Mm. And we needed to be more of a team. And so the dynamics changed gradually to where he was like, wow, okay, she's making 5,000, she's making 10,000, she's making 15, 20. Like as it kept going up and up, he respected it more and he appreciated it more. And, um, you know, he honestly didn't quit cut back on his work, which is kind of shocking to people. Like I built my business the way that I built it for about two and a half years without him cutting back at all in his work. And until I made about $50,000 a month, he did not cut back on his work because he grew up in scarcity. Mm -hmm. He grew up like he worked from the time he was 11. 
He bought his own clothes. He rode his bike to the mall. Like he is a hoe to the end of the row. You work. And finally, he could release that white knuckle grip when I gave him the security and the peace of mind. And that, ladies, like that is the most beautiful gift Mm -hmm. I could ever give to my husband was the gift to be able to say like, honey, you can take a breath. Wow. You can step back a little bit. You can be present. You can actually know your last two children because the first four are a blur. Because he was working all the time. Yeah. Hey guys. So if you never want to miss a podcast or any of the scoop that's going on around here, go to www.thisloudhouse.com and subscribe to our newsletter. You get all the fun freebies that I send out and you can join our amazing community. Again, it's www.thisloudhouse.com and subscribe. And you know, it's interesting, Brooke, because now, of course, I love the idea of alignment and I feel like that has become your mantra. And we hear so many times that in order to be successful, you just need to work more, right? Just put in more hours, just work, 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 work. And we're learning that, hey, there's a lot of other stuff that needs to happen. And I feel like you've kind of pioneered this in a way that things have to be in alignment. So talk a little bit about how you kind of came to that realization and and what that means. Well, I came to that realization because my life was grossly out of alignment a year and a half ago. And so typically we come to these realizations because we have these moments that are frozen in our mind that we will never forget. We remember exactly where we are, what we were wearing, what we were doing, how we felt. And I had that moment. Um, and my husband knows that I share this story and I share it without any, any sadness about it anymore or any judgment of the situation. But last year on June 14th, I was so out of alignment. I was struggling emotionally with all of the comparison that comes along with this business, with feeling like I was not enough. I also had a baby, you know, my sixth baby, and I had this giant team and I was in that mentality, mentality of, I have to work more. I have to do more. I have to control more. I have to like this control freak of everything going on in my business. And while yes, that did work and create a result, it also was wreaking havoc in our home and in our marriage. And he got to the point where he's like, I can't do this anymore. Like the way that it is, like, it's great and all that you're making good money, but this is not working for me. And it was on his birthday, June 14th, a year ago that he basically dropped an F-bomb on me and told me he would just go ahead and leave and take the kids. And now you have to understand this about my husband. He is not a cusser. He is as loyal and true and good as they come, straight arrow, like all the way. But I had pushed him through my out-of-alignment life And my, really what it stemmed down to is that I didn't like myself and I didn't feel like I was enough. And that was manifesting itself into every area of my life. And that was a wake up call for me. And we had some beautiful conversations that, you know, healed some of the hurt there. And I got coaching and I just started to work on myself and work on, gosh, like, where is this scarcity coming from where I feel like I have to work, you know, 12 hours a day to be successful. That, that can't be true. That can't be the answer. And so um, I can say now, you know, for a long time, actually, probably the last nine or so months, nine or 12 months, our marriage is the best it's ever been. We um, communicate so much better. And if you're in a place like that, in a difficult place in your marriage, 
I don't want you to beat yourself up and I don't want you to feel like, oh, the answer is I have to quit. The only answer I have is to quit because I need to save my marriage. I actually feel like that's not the answer most of the time because what will happen is that's just a Band-Aid. That's not the actual fix. Quitting is not the fix because what will happen is eventually you'll blame the fact that you quit on your husband Mm -hmm. and you'll resent your husband and you'll bring that resentment into your marriage. Are you wow. following along? It's like a cycle. Yeah. It's a cycle and it's destructive. Wow. What wow. you actually need to do is take a breath, create some white space and figure out what is the overriding theme and thought that's going on in my mind. What are the truths that I've adopted in my mind that are seeping into my business, into my marriage, into my physical health, into my emotional health, into the way that I relate to money? And what I discovered was underneath everything were two things. I'm not enough and I'll never be enough. And the second thing was everything good in my life comes to an end. Mm -hmm. And so those were the stories that I was telling myself. And I'm sure that you're going to have some people listening that are like, oh my gosh, like goosebumps, that's me. Yeah. And so what we do is we self-sabotage. We self-sabotage in our business. We self-sabotage in our marriage. We self-sabotage our health and we start eating the Twinkies again or we start, you know, not exercising. We start ignoring our leaders. We don't work our business. We uh, we're mean to our spouse. We dive into our phone 10 hours a day because we get addicted to that. Like so many things that are just a symptom of those underlying thoughts. And so, you know, as I realized that and I started to look at people that I've coached in my business and asking a lot of really good questions, I realized that so many people are out of alignment in their life. And alignment is not the same as balance, guys. Alignment is... Explain, explain. I'm interested in this because, yeah, I mean, I think balance when I think alignment. So go, let's hear it. Nope, not at all. Okay, so the simplest way that I can describe alignment is learning how to listen to your inner voice, intuition, or spirit, whatever you call that. The only way you can get to a place where you really listen is if you allow yourself a little bit of space. For some people, that's prayer, meditation, taking a walk yoga, whatever. There are many different ways you can get in touch with that. But it is receiving that download into your heart, feeling that inspiration, and then acting. Receive, act, receive, act, receive, act. Being in alignment. So that applies to anything in your life. So sometimes my alignment will be that I'm working really hard on a project and I have to work eight to 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. But I know that when that project is over, I get back into my regular alignment, which is stronger boundaries with my family time. Alignment doesn't mean balance and mean like you've got everything perfect in your house or you um, never work after 5 p.m. or you never drink a soda or like any of those. That is not alignment. Alignment is being aligned with your purpose and what you know you're supposed to do and then taking decisive action. That is alignment. And you can receive those downloads for your marriage. You can receive those downloads for your parenting. You can receive those downloads for how you spend money. For example, when I'm coaching somebody, it's like, I just need to make more money. I just need to, I just need to make $2,000 a month. It's not happening for me. I will say, Rachel, tell me about your relationship with money right now. Are you wise with your money? Are you a good steward of your money? So if you're not in alignment with your relationship with money, 
what makes you think that the abundance is going to come and that more is going to come your way because you're not in alignment. If your business is suffering and all you're focusing on is your business, right? and you're like, I just got to work harder. I just got to be more focused. What about all these other areas of your life? How's your relationship? How's your management of money? How's your physical health? How's your spirituality? Because I really believe when you get those things in alignment, which means you're paying the proper attention to them in the amount and quantity that they need and quality is really what I should say. But when all of those things are in alignment, you become a very powerful, aligned, conscious creator of whatever you want to create. But if your home life is a wreck, if you are terrible with money, if physically your body is just in ruins, how in the world can you expect that the stars are going to align and that your business is going to be blessed? It's oh, not going to happen. That is so that's so, alignment to me. Oh, it's so powerful, Brooke. I'm getting I have goosebumps because I think that's what we do. We're like, I'm just going to work harder. And... <laughs> You know, and that's, there. there's no way that you could do it for a time, like you said, for a year and a yeah. half. And then, you know, the, you know, what's going to hit the fan and you've got some choices to make. Yes. And, and what I learned too, like from that, um, in working with, I had a coach for a time. His name is Preston Pagmeyer. We coached together for a while, but I remember also as I was working through this and really trying to create good boundaries mm-hmm. for my family and my work and, and my downtime and all of that. At times, I would have projects that took a lot of time, and I remember feeling a lot of guilt. And he said to me, well, is it a season or is it a problem? And so you will have seasons in your business where you have to work harder. And one of my biggest pet peeves is people that have like such strong boundaries, and they are like so zeroed in on self-care that they cannot be, they just cannot be inconvenienced. And I'm like, oh, honey. Oh, come on. I mean, there are times you have to hustle and you have to work, but it's important that those are seasons and it's not an addiction and it's not your life and it's not covering up all the problems that are underneath and the out of alignment lifestyle, but there will be seasons for sure. Yeah. And so it can go either way. Cause I do, I do think that some people are so unwilling to chase the momentum that there is no momentum. And so right. Brooke, what did you do really quick, practically to make some of those changes? You know, what were some practical things? Did you look at like your screen time once you realized, okay, here's the problem. This is what I have to do. What practically steps did you do to make that happen? Well, I mean, one of the first things I had to do was really dissect my thoughts and my beliefs about myself, figure out, um, you know, well, why am I feeling that way? And what does that mean? And where does that come from? And again, without any judgment for my past or parenting or moving or any of that stuff, but you have to understand where you're coming from before you can know where you're going. and how to get there. And so you have to spend some time with yourself, some quiet time, some white space, reflect on that. Like, what do I really think? And when you bring those ugly, like horrible thoughts to the surface, you're able to see them for what they are, which is not true. And then what I did is I wrote out powerful affirmations and I literally posted them all over my house. I had them on every bathroom mirror, even my kids. I had it on the back door, the front door, on the fridge, on the pantry, like all over. And it was just simply, I am enough. I am enough. And at first my kids are kind of like giggle a little bit. And then they would start to say it. 
Yeah, yeah, mom's crazy. And then my husband would write me little love notes on them. Aww. Yes, you are enough. You're the you're the most amazing mother. Like all these things, just these affirmations that I physically would put in front of me. But it's important. We are um, people that need lots of different stimulus, and so I would not just walk by it and look at it. I would look at it and I would say it out loud. Yeah. Because then I would hear it, I would speak it, and I would see it. And so I could really feel it inside of me. So affirmations were important. Then also creating sacred time that was um, family time. Specific time that was like non-negotiable because my work had bled into my family time. And even to the point where like my kids would get up and get ready for school and I wouldn't see them until we were walking out the door. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be the mom that gets up in the morning, squeezes her kids make some breakfast, help them with their lunch, all that stuff, because that's what I used to do. Right. And I wanted that. And so I did things like that. I had a strict morning routine. I started getting up earlier so that I got 30 to 60 minutes to myself before my kids got up. And then I could come out of the room and just squeeze them and love them and send them off to school. And then I felt victorious. I felt like very aligned with my purpose as a mother mm-hmm. and taking care of my kids. And then having that sacred time in the evening that was like, you know, 6.30 to 9 is like dinner, playtime, put them to bed, all that kind of stuff. So you've got to set those boundaries for yourself so that you feel like you're winning in life as well as in business. And then I had to also become very clear about, about making a list of the activities that were actually activities that grew my business. And then making a list on the other side of the paper of all of the other activities that I was doing and how much time I was spending in those zones and realizing, wow, I'm spending a lot of time in non-productive activities and too much time on social media. So I had to limit my time on social media because I found that I was experiencing what I call situational depression, social media depression. Too much time. I'm sure you are familiar with that. Oh, yes. I mean, just not absorbing. I've gotten to the point where I don't absorb social media. I can't. Like, it just does not serve me. You know, I remember Rachel Hollis saying that she doesn't. And I thought, if Rachel Hollis can do it, well, then I'm not going to either. You know, so. Yes. Absolutely. Well, as we close, Brooke, two things. What is next for Brooke Hemingway? I'm excited to hear about that. And I know that you've got a course that's coming out or it's already out. So tell us about that and how people can get it. And I guess if if you had one message to women, what would it be? Ooh, that is a tough one, right? What's next for me? Well, the one of the blessings that I'm so grateful for with this industry and this type of business is that I feel like I have freedom. A lot of times we talk about financial freedom and time freedom, but I feel like I have the freedom to create as an entrepreneur. And so I'm grateful for that freedom to create that this business has given me and anybody else that follows in my footsteps or your footsteps is the ability to create. And so one of the things that I'm really passionate about and I love doing is I love gathering women. I've been doing retreats with my teams for years and I've branched out into doing retreats um, now for my company. And eventually I have a dream of doing retreats for you know, all network marketers to really help them because I don't feel like my experience is unique. I feel like oftentimes women that are successful, they struggle so much and their lives are so out of alignment and they don't feel like they have that self-worth. And I want them to be peaceful. I want them to be joyful and I want them to have mad, crazy success. 
And I've learned that you can have it all. And so um, that's that's what's next for me. I'm going to continue to do retreats. I did write an entire, I sat down one week and I wrote 100 pages. Oh my goodness. 100 pages on how to build a business in network marketing with integrity, how to be a leader that leaves, you know, a real strong legacy. Because if I'm honest, there's a lot of not great leaders in network marketing. There's a lot of not great companies. And I'm never, ever going to bash on any specific company or leader. But I feel like there is a way that we can transform network marketing and a way that we can do it that just makes it something that everybody feels like they can do. It's attainable, it's achievable, and they can do it and maintain who they are and their integrity. And they can be somebody that people want to follow. And so my business course kind of goes over a lot of that, the mindset, but also the practical things that will help people to build a strong network marketing business and be a strong leader. So that business course is coming out next uh, next month. And that's on my website, brooke-hemingway.com. Brooke with an E, Hemingway with one M. So brooke-hemingway.com. And on Instagram, I'm at Hemingway half dozen because I have half a dozen kids. And Facebook is just Brooke Hemingway. So you can find me in any of those places. And really, I would say a closing message to women would be just to remember who you are. Don't forget who you are. You are powerful you are purposeful. You were born to create. You have the power of creation within you. You literally create life. And whatever you want to manifest and create in your life is possible. If you have enough heart, enough grit, enough determination, if you let go of the excuses, the negative people that are pulling you down, if you realize and remember who you are and what you are capable of, you will be unstoppable. And I would challenge you guys to every single day, remember the possibilities that are out there for you, especially your own possibilities, and to never, ever, 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 ever give up on that dream that you have because you have that power to create. Ooh, Brooke, I mean, we can just just lay it all right there. That is amazing. And (laughs) You know, I feel that from you. And I, over the past year, I have stalked your Instagram, especially your stories. You guys have to just watch Brooke. Oh gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing too. Like, I'm so like, I mean, you had that like futon couch in the, in, on your driveway or wherever forever. And I'm like, I love this girl. And you're like working out and Gracie's crawling everywhere. And I, you're just as real as they come, but know that those stories, I mean, all the pretty on Instagram is cool and inspiring. That to me is the most inspiring thing you could ever do. So thank you for opening yourself up. Thank you for everything that you do and believe in women. We so appreciate you being here. Thank you, Brooke. It was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Aloha guys. So y'all, guess what? There's a part two to this interview. Brooke and I were chatting afterwards and there was just more that I wanted to ask and that Brooke wanted to say. So here is part two. So here we go, a little part two. I was like, Brooke, I totally forgot to ask you this. Because I think it's important. And I was driving after I asked you this question, I was driving home thinking to myself, I think it's a two-part question. One, how the heck do we teach, like the way Thomas grew up, that work ethic, right? How do we teach that to our kids, first of all? And then how in the world do we teach it to them when financially, right? They're you know, set and I, we could pay for college and all of those things. So what do you think? 
So, you know, he didn't have college paid for. I didn't have college paid for. My mom wasn't in a position to do that. And his parents, you know, maybe it was a choice or maybe they weren't in a position to do that. Right. But I feel like I have the same philosophy actually for my children. I actually don't really intend to pay for college for them. I appreciated college more. I worked Mm -hmm. harder because I had to pay for college. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't help my children out. They know that, of course, I will help them out. Maybe there's a portion Mm -hmm. that will help pay for, or we have set up college savings accounts that we can decide they can use for undergrad or graduate um, education. And so we have things in place, but we haven't raised them with any kind of entitlement that they're going to get a sum of money or we're going to pay for college. We talk to them about how we paid for our education and how it was a good thing that we worked through college and that it taught us the value of hard work. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of talking about these things and sort of setting the expectation so that when they get to that age, they're not like, okay, mom and dad, you have money. You can pay for me to go to college. I honestly don't feel like that is something that parents need to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Gosh, you appreciate that new car so much more when you have driven the jalopy, you know? Is it hard for you guys to say no when, you know, they want the new skateboard or they, you know, want to go on the trip and, you know, you can get it for them? Do you say no? Do you find yourself struggling with that? I don't have a problem with saying no. I really honestly don't. And I've always been that way. I think that a lot of parents don't say no because they feel guilty. They feel guilty maybe because they work and they feel like their children don't have enough attention from them. And so to make up for that, they say yes. They buy a lot of things. They indulge their children. And our children obviously live a comfortable life, but I have never been the parent that paid allowance just for them existing. If they want to earn money, for example, this summer, we went to New York City. And as part of that trip, they had to plan the entire trip. So they were doing the Google searches. They created a Google Doc. They figured out what restaurants we were going to eat at, what places we were going to go to. So they were responsible for arranging that trip. And then I told them they could earn spending money for the trip. And I had all these different jobs. And I was like, okay, you'll get $2 for folding this load of laundry. You'll get $3 for mopping the stairs. You'll get like just small amounts of money, but they hustled. And I was so ecstatic because I don't just give them money. They don't have cell phones. They don't have like all those kind of fancy things. They have to work for it. And they were so appreciative. And then I get to come in and do the fun things where at the end, like for two solid weeks, they've been They'd wake up every day and say, mom, what can we do? What can we do to earn money today? That's so cool. And so I got to come in and do the fun thing because we are in a position. And the day that we left, I said, you know how hard you guys worked the last two weeks. I'm going to double your money. And they just freaked ah. out because they don't expect that. It's yeah. not an expectation. And honestly, I will say that living in a place like Kauai really helps you to tone down your materialism. Because it's such a small, I mean, they're just not around it, right? Yeah, they're not around it. But I will say that most of the kids, my son's age, he's 13. Most Uh of them have cell phones. And I'm not saying you're a bad parent if your kids have an iPhone. But 
we've just taught them from the time they were young, we're not getting you an iPhone. There's no reason you need an iPhone. You don't need your own computer. There's a family computer right here where I can see that screen and I can see what's going on. And, you know, we talk to them very openly about that. But one of the other things that I feel like has really been foundational to our kids not feeling entitled and valuing what they have and being grateful for it is that from the time they were young, you know, I told you I, I'm a God girl. I mm-hmm. believe that all things that were created and that I have came from him. And so we would talk about like their tennis shoes. I'd be like, you know who created your tennis shoes? And they would kind of like sort of giggle and laugh and be like, oh God. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because you know, the rubber of those soles that came from a tree and you know, the leather on those shoes came from an animal so that they understand that like every single thing they have actually doesn't belong to them. Mm. It belongs to him and don't get so attached to it. Like Guys, I never, ever, ever had a brand new car in my life until I got my Lexus through my business. Like, wow. Always drove an old car, always drove a beater. Like, it just, I don't know. I think your kids will model what they see. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you can't have nice things and it it doesn't mean you can't enjoy um, nice trips. But if your life is all bling and amazing experiences, you're kind of putting them at a disadvantage mm-hmm. because they're going to grow up and think that's how everybody lives. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have the reality is crazy. And I think I saw somewhere that it was like a picture of their skate ramp or something. And you're like, this is what we invest in instead of video games, you know, outside. Yeah. Oh, it was a right. food ball table too, or something you were putting together for Christmas. And I thought... <laughs> How cool is that? While my son is like, I need the new PlayStation. I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of moms, you know, they might take offense to that or think I'm judging them. I'm not judging any other mom. Like you've got to do what's right for you. But I've just always had this really strong impression that I wanted my kids to be physically active. I wanted them to be detached from a screen, which is so funny because like all of my business, the majority of it is on a screen, but I want them them to grow up wild and free and active and with imagination. And so when we invest big chunks of money, like in a skate ramp or mountain bikes or, you know, the skis that we rent for ski season, like that I feel like is an experience. Mm-hmm. I am spending money on experiences. And the one thing that we do spend money on is travel. Because you can't, That's- I mean, that experience they'll have for the rest of their life. And are you purposefully not on your screen when you're around them? Or are there times where you're like, mommy's working and they know that? I know that was kind of a struggle with my kids. They're like, you're always on your phone. Do you try not to be on your phone around them? Or how do you do that? So here's what I want to say to women that struggle with that is if you are sneaking off into a corner and hiding to do your work, instead of saying, Hey kids, Hey husband, I work. This is my job. And I don't go into the office and I don't go in. I told my kids, I said, well, you know, mom used to go to the hospital for 12 hours at a time. You don't remember that, but I would be gone literally for 13 and a half hours at work. And this phone here in my hand is my work device. And so if I have a block of time that is my work time and they see me on my phone, they know that that is my work time. Mm -hmm. They know if they come to me during that time, I'm going to help them, but they also know 
that that is my work time. And I'm not necessarily going to get up and stop everything that I'm doing to go do some small thing, but they know, okay, I've got an emergency or I really need mom. I can go grab her. But otherwise, for those two hours, they know we can play games, we can hang out with each other, we can color, we can draw, we can go outside. They know that that's my work time. And so I feel like it becomes a problem when we are trying to do it all day long and we're trying to hide away in the bathroom, in the corner, and we're like pulling the phone out constantly all the time as opposed to, hey, honey, I'm going to work until 11 a.m. this morning. Then I'm going to get off the phone and we're going to go for a hike. And then when we come back and the girls go down for a nap, you can take the kids surfing and I'm going to stay and work for two hours. So they see me on my phone quite a bit, but they understand I'm not on my phone just messing around, scrolling and wasting time. They understand that my phone is my office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like when we will go on a family walk, it, in the beginning, I would take my phone with me and I'd be so tempted to check email, check a notification. And I just yes. didn't have the willpower. So now I leave it at home. I can't. I can't yes. bring it, you know? All right. Yes. One last question, Brooke. What is the legacy that you want to leave for your kids from all of this? Well, I'll tell you, I've struggled through all the mom guilt and all the shame. And am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? I desperately, if there's anything about me that you should know, it's that I really, really want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing in life by my family, by my team, by my company, by my husband. Like I want to do the right thing. And yesterday we were outside here at our, you know, we've been blessed to be able to build a second home with cash because of my business. And we're in the mountains. That's a dream of mine. And my kids are outside throwing the football. And my niece is out there throwing the football. And she's in college. And she asked my oldest son, he's 13. She asked him, so Isaac, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he said, well, you know, I really want to be an entrepreneur. And I want to go into business, kind of like Plexus. And I was like, oh "Oh my gosh, I haven't failed. I have shown my kids that they can create and whether they go into business or they want to be a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or a a travel blogger, like whatever they want to do, I have shown them through my example, what is possible. And the legacy that I want to leave for my children is that I love them intensely, that I believe in them, like all the way to the mountaintops that they can do whatever they want to do. And how can I expect them to believe that if I'm not doing that? And so I want to leave a legacy of living by example for what I want to see come to fruition for my children. Be honest, be loving, be kind, be faithful, be true, be hardworking. Don't expect anything from anybody. Don't be entitled. Like these are the things that I want my children to grow up and learn because I feel like that is the greatest contribution I can give to society. Not all the money I make, but the type of humans that I raise. And if I raise them with that independent, strong, giving, loving spirit, they're going to make the world a better place. And I have six of them. So I have six of them that can go out there and make the world a better place in their own way. Watch out world because the Hemingway crew is coming out. That is so true. Who is it? Mother Teresa said... If you want to change the world, go home and love your family, right? So I 100% agree. Brooke, thank you, my friend. Thank you. I love you. 
Hey, y'all. So if you would like to join our community on Facebook, we have a special group just for you. You can continue the conversation off the podcast online. Simply join the Life Sunny Side Up podcast group. Just search in your groups. It'll come up and I will be so excited for you to be a part of this amazing community. 